welcome to the Social Ideas podcast brought to you by the Cambridge Centre for Social Innovation. This series looks through the lens of those striving for a better world. I'm Pam Mungru. Congratulations to the 2022 Cambridge Social Innovation Prize winners awarded by Trinity Hall and the Cambridge Centre for Social Innovation. The £10,000 awards are made annually to extraordinary founder CEOs of scale-up social enterprises to support their growth as leaders. Mentoring from experts at Cambridge Judge Business School and support from an expanding community of social innovators at Trinity Hall will help the winners to develop the skills, resources and networks they need to create more impact from their work. In this episode of the Social Ideas podcast, we hear from winner Alice Williams, founder of Luminary Bakery, about her work to empower the UK's most disadvantaged women. I began by asking Alice what Luminary Bakery does. We are a social enterprise set up to support women who've experienced multiple disadvantage and gender-based violence and kind of multiple layers of both of those. So we really wanted to support women who are the furthest from employment and have the most barriers to overcome to be able to get there, but seeing employment as the key to um, open a lot of doors for them. Domestic abuse is kind of the most common form of gender-based violence that we support women with, and I think across the UK it is the most prevalent. And financial dependence on your perpetrator is something that keeps women in those situations. So really wanting to provide tangible work opportunities for women to earn their own money, build a career and become independent to be able to make whatever choices they need to make in life is what we set out to do. So we chose baking as our kind of route to do that. And the reason we chose that is because in itself, baking is quite a therapeutic activity. So it's quite a, a fun, creative task for people who, I mean, a lot of the women we're meeting have never taken time for themselves to do anything creative or like learn a new skill. And it is a skill you can learn at any age, no matter what your background or um, education history is. And crucially, it provides job opportunities because the hospitality sector is one that has loads of jobs going all the time and again you don't necessarily need any formal qualifications. What was it then that drove you to start up this enterprise? What's the motivation behind it? Yeah I was meeting women through um, doing outreach with a local charity um, who support women who are in caught up in the sex industry so in the red light area in East London brilliant charity that provides kind of basic support them in the moment so things like condoms or hot chocolate um whatever they might need just to get through the night and try and build up a bit of like a rapport with them and then see if they need any kind of daytime support to access housing or any of the like yeah kind of longer term support I was volunteering with them so meeting women through doing that I was realizing quite how many women were like really stuck in those circumstances so they didn't have any other way of making money they didn't have options and I think what I wanted to provide was alternative ways for them to be able to make um, an income and empowering ways for them to do that and all the kind of like traditional training providers were just not accessible to them either because they didn't have GCSEs or because they were mixed gender and a lot of the women have experienced violence at the hands of men and it just didn't that was a barrier for them attending they didn't feel safe or comfortable so yeah what we thought to set out uh, to build was a training place where women could come and feel safe and have time to invest in themselves and to learn skill um, and then obviously crucially the um, paid work at the end of that. It sounds very challenging because 
one of the main things that you have to do is not only provide a, a safe space and a safe environment, but you have to gain the trust of these women. How do you go about doing that? Yeah, quite understandably, a lot of women who come to us aren't very open to trusting initially. Um, they've been really let down and hurt by lots of people in their lives and sometimes, unfortunately, like services on to as well. So it does take time. Um, our programmes are two years long. So we support women for a really long amount of time because, understandably, she's not going to open up about all the, the different things in her life that she can support with from the get-go. So we have support workers who um, journey with with her that whole time they get to know her and we do quite a lot of like intentional like community building so they can get to trust each other as well and sometimes the professional might be easier to trust than your kind of peers in your cohort so yeah lots of like work is done in the early weeks to try and build that community and then actually it's it's really beautiful to see them supporting each other and opening up with each other and actually I think if you just provide the right environment for that which has taken us a long time to work out what the right environment is but it does it uh, does seem to work and then women do start to open up the trust. So all of this is happening within a bakery and I'm sure it's obviously as you said it's it's more than just baking that's going on but can you explain how this works for those of us that are only thinking of bread right now? Yes of course yeah so I guess practically we've got like front of house cafes which are business run they trade they are like businesses and they provide work experience and paid job opportunities for women who've been through the programs and we bake in-house for uh, those cafes and for external customers birthday cakes corporate clients things like that so all of those kind of business operations are happening in the same building that training is happening in but we do have a designated training center on site so it's set up specifically for training not business so it looks a bit like the bake-off tent if you can imagine that everyone's got their own station and they come in and they make a product Uh, we don't sell that product they take it home with them they focus on different areas of baking each week and they build on that so again a bit like the bake-off you have like bread month that's one kind of module Um, but we try and cover all the basics you would need to be able to be employed as a baker and alongside that lots of holistic and professional development and employability skills as well are covered in their workshops so one-to-one with this. How do you measure your social impact? In a few different ways I guess the key one is employment outcomes so whether women have sustained employment um, after the two years of working with us but we recognise that's just one indicator of whether she is ready for work and whether she is managing the rest of her life as well so we also have independence indicators so we try and say that we're all aspiring to be independent women all of us are on a journey to that but we kind of categorize it into areas of life where she might need support so for example housing health and well-being finance and any debt that she might need to manage relationships is a key one um, and then employment and so all of those factors we track quite regularly through that two years with the woman and she rates herself on on various indicators within that category so for example if she's able to manage her bills each week then she will probably rate quite highly on that category and then we try and make sure that she's making progress throughout the two years and she can look back and see how far she's come Um, and the outcomes have been really great as we've been tracking that yeah women have been hitting what we deem as the threshold of independence within those two years. But the threshold of independence will change according to the individual. So what happens then if, for example, 
you, you feel that somebody's just not ready to leave the program after two years, or, or in fact that, you know, they've left and everything seemed fine at the time and then things have happened. So how yeah. do you manage those situations? Good insight, because that definitely has happened. There have been, like, life factors obviously happen, like a bereavement or something might really knock you. What we try and do is make sure that women have got all the tools they need to be able to handle crisis when it probably inevitably comes. So we don't find that actually things like that necessarily knock women completely off course. And actually, they, they are still able to hold down their job or whatever it is when those things do happen. We provide them with like external places to go to if they are, you know, having a health crisis or something. Obviously, and that could happen to anyone at any point in their life. So it's not reasonable to say that they need to be at like 100% independent all the time. Like we all become dependent on other services, you know, NHS services, counselling, debt advisors, whatever it is we might need. I don't think it's unreasonable to say that you might need to access those at some point in your life. But in terms of the, the other facet that if, some, if someone's gone through the two years and still doesn't reach that kind of deemed threshold of independence, it's few and far between. But for the women that that has happened for, we've had to do is um, not kind of count it as an outcome for us, but um, make sure that she's connected in with relevant services. So, uh, yeah, depending on what it is that is holding her back. Um, making sure that we refer her on to someone else who can help with that. So it might be that she's got an ongoing substance misuse issue um, that she's been trying to kick and it, and it hasn't been possible. So then we've yeah just had to make sure that she's connected in with the right uh, drug or alcohol service. And we always say to those women that they can come back and reapply for the course at a different time in their life if they'd like to redo it or if they kind of have to drop out at some point during the programme. It's always an open door that they can come back in future cohort. How do you manage expectations? I ask this because you just mentioned that, you know, somebody might drop out or they might need to come back because there is this obviously very sort of wonderful fantasy moment when you think this is going to cure all the ills in my life. And then reality obviously sets in. Yeah, I think, to be honest, by the time they come to us, they've had enough life experiences that they know this isn't going to be like a silver bullet. But you're absolutely right that they are looking for something to go right finally for them. And I think on the whole, it does. And they do have amazing experiences and they, they see massive progress in their lives. And I think partly that's our programme, but partly thanks to the work of all the other agencies that have worked with her before to get her ready and managing her expectations of what the courses and what we can provide and what we expect of her is really crucial and we've like tweaked that every time that we've put a new cohort in so we do quite a thorough referral and risk assessment um first then she comes for an interview for the program if she is successful we then do an initial one-to-one with her where we go through what her individual barriers to the program might be uh, what extra what does she need to be able to attend and like really hammering home kind of the conduct agreement that we expect from her and, and like I said, what she expects from us. So there's a lot of expectation managing and trying to set that out at the at the start so that she doesn't kind of expect something that, that it isn't and that she's really clear what she's committing to. Now, I'd like to congratulate you on being one of the winners of the Cambridge Social Innovation Prize 2022. Well done. Thank you so much. Yeah, I can't quite believe it yet. So what does it mean to you to win this prize? I I think the recognition is that I wasn't, really wasn't expecting to win because the, the person I'd seen 
win it before, which is how I heard about it, is such a high achiever. And I knew that it was quite a highly, you know, that you get a lot of applicants. So yeah, I just definitely wasn't expecting to win it, but I thought it's worth a try because it's the only thing I've seen that is so tailored to the position that I'm in, which is being a, a founder, being specifically in the social enterprise space, in investing in my personal development and my professional development. You know, social enterprises don't have budgets for developing staff necessarily. We have small pots of funding, but yeah, it's definitely nothing like this opportunity. So being able to, I mean, I've, I've identified courses for years now that I'd love to do, and I think will upskill me as a leader and therefore mean that Luminary runs better, but I just haven't been able to afford them. So this is like literally opening up that door. In the long term, though, how do you think your personal development, which is the central tenet to this prize, how do you see that helping Luminary Bakery to progress? Yeah, I think it, it's essential because if I'm this like the leader of this organisation, I need to keep us moving forward. And I think it's essential that I invest in my own development in order to do that. I've not been a CEO of another company before and I've got experience working in other places, but I've not done this role anywhere else before. And I really think training is essential but also mentoring which is part of um the kind of package and I just I would I'd never want to kind of get to the point at Luminary where I feel like I'm doing it a disservice because I haven't got the right training under my belt or I haven't kind of had that like strategic leadership training or experience so I think it's essential for Luminary to run to the best of my ability um and therefore to have the most impact on women so in many respects, winning this prize is giving you the opportunity to show the women that you work with not only your abilities, but that a future is possible. Do you see that as a form of inspiration, perhaps? Yeah, I hope so. And I also think it's a good example to set that, you know, continued professional development is important. No one is beyond learning and all of us need to be constantly looking to grow and develop ourselves. I think it's really good practice if we, you know, run a kind of training facility for women so that we're invested in our own development because then we're all on this journey together. That was Alice Williams, founder and CEO of Luminary Bakery and winner of the Cambridge Social Innovation Prize 2022. You can find out more about the Cambridge Centre for Social Innovation by following us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn and YouTube.